0: Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman, and here's what's happening today at Newsweek. We've all seen the terrible stories coming out of Ukraine about refugees, and the United Nations Agency reports there are more than a million of them so far fleeing Ukraine, and now the United States—in fact, governors here in the United States— are directing state agencies to prepare for their arrival and asking federal officials for help. That's right. U.S. governors are volunteering states as a destination for Ukrainians who might need to be fleeing here to this continent. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy put a tweet out affirming this after the State of the Union Address. Colorado Governor Jared Polis signed an executive order last week directing state office of New Americans to look into housing, employment, and other resources for Ukrainians. And now New York Governor Kathy Hochul, during a speech Wednesday at St. George Ukrainian Catholic Church in New York City, said her state's more than ready, eager to have people come here from Ukraine. The Statue of Liberty stands tall in our harbor, and just as we have through generations welcoming people like my immigrant grandparents who left great poverty, we stand together to open up the arms of our Statue of Liberty to all Ukrainians who want to come here for refuge as we work to rebuild the country after driving the Russians out, because that will be what happens. We will do that. And then on the other side of the ledger, so to speak, you've got governors looking for ways to reduce their interactions with Russia, taking away financial incentives or benefits to Russia, even small ones that their state might be involved in. Washington Governor Jay Inslee has ordered state agencies to review contracts to find out anything where they might be connected to Russia. You've also got places like California, New York, Colorado evaluating state contracts, looking to cut ties with Russian businesses. And in Utah, something that we've seen at various levels, Governor Spencer Cox ordered all the Russian vodka pulled from state-run liquor stores. Now, obviously, in the grand scheme of things, none of these measures is likely to be all that significant, and you might not get very many refugees either, but hey, the expression of support is encouraging to see. Meanwhile in space, a wayward rocket booster is set to smash into the moon on Friday morning, producing a crater that'll mark the moon's surface indefinitely. That's right, the expected collision, lots of people have been talking about this. The question is, who sent the debris? Well. We think it's the Chinese. We think it was the Chang'e's 5T1 lunar mission that launched back in 2014. However, there's been some controversy here, because originally, the people who were looking into this thought that it had been a SpaceX launch that was connected with the Deep Space Climate Observatory Discover Satellite in 2015. Well... A little while after that one took place, some astronomers looking through their telescopes trying to figure out what space debris is that exactly, which you got to figure is not an easy job. Sort of the interplanetary version of the code enforcement guys trying to figure out whose sofa is that really on the side of the road so we can bill them for the removal fee. In any case, they changed their opinion. They came to the conclusion that it was the Chinese. Of course, the Chinese say it's definitely not theirs. Wang Wenbin, the spokesman for China's foreign ministry, says... The debris we've identified did not come from the Chang'e mission. In fact, he says that debris fell through the Earth's atmosphere in a safe manner and burnt up completely. In other words, that's definitely not our sofa. Sort of a loose translation. So what's going to happen tomorrow morning? Well, at about 725 Eastern time, there's going to be a giant explosion on the surface of the moon when the space debris impacts at nearly 6,000 miles an hour. Here's the only problem. No one's going to see it. Because it's on the dark side of the moon. You guessed it. It's away from us. So not only is the giant space sofa going to be impacting the moon at 6,000 miles an hour, sending debris up in a massive cloud for dozens of miles away, but it's going to be invisible to us, despite if we had been able to see it, there'd be a big flash and so forth. So a little bit of a bummer, I guess, that we won't be able to observe it. And I know what you're thinking, the Chinese. Ah, Before you get too judgy about the Chinese and their interplanetary dumping of space tires at the end of the cul-de-sac... Keep in mind that in 2014, NASA, yeah, NASA, crashed its Lady spacecraft into the lunar surface at a speed of about 3,600 miles an hour, half or so the speed. After they had spent months orbiting the moon to study the thin atmosphere and dust. So the next time somebody says it's okay, we're just studying your planet, we're not gonna crash into it, definitely not gonna crash into it. Maybe get a second opinion. And finally, in the maybe not everyone on social media is as much of an expert as they'd like you to think they are. File. A number of social media users took to Twitter and other platforms to wonder what happened to President Joe Biden's forehead. In a speech following the State of the Union address, it was clear that there was a large gray mark right in the middle of his forehead that looked suspiciously like a dangerous bruise. And people were on social media asking the question. One Twitter user asked, Why is no one mentioning the big black bruise on President Biden's forehead? Another one wrote, Just saw Biden on the lawn, stopped by a reporter, asked a question. He faced the camera, big bruise in the center of his forehead. Did he face plant or did he walk into something? Well, no. And for those of you who understand what the day was on Wednesday... Ash Wednesday. That's right. The president's a Catholic, and it's very common for Catholics to take ashes from last year's Palm Sunday fronds, have them placed on their forehead by a priest, and then they go throughout the day. Sometimes it looks like a splotch. Sometimes it looks like a cross. It's something that Catholics all over the world do, and some non-Catholics, too, to mark the beginning of Lent and the fasting period that goes along with it. But the fact that people didn't realize that's what they were seeing, well, it's not the first time. Even though it looks bad for all of the social media users who didn't know about Ash Wednesday, well, it's one thing to just post those comments on Twitter. It's quite another for a British journalist to go on national television and get this wrong in front of the whole country. We're waiting for Joe Biden to, uh, to introduce the president. Within the next few moments, the vice president, as you said, what's happened to his head? I'm sure that's what everybody's asking at home. Yes, I don't know. It's a simple answer. Oh, okay. Uh, Looks like he's maybe we'll into have a chance a, door, to find out a little later. <laughs> yes, that a little Burley of a while covering one of a little President of speeches. But she did a little mention running into of a door. She went a to spiffball of maybe Biden had been having too much fun a at the recently concluded Vancouver Olympics. We a get uh, an opportunity to ask his spokespeople a what, what, uh, what the of a of that is. <laughs> he's probably of having little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a a Certainly looks like quite a bruise, doesn't it? Anyway, never mind. Only to be forced to completely abase herself afterwards when a producer whispered the truth in her ear during the course of his speech. Any other renewable energy form? Okay, um, I know that I am a very bad Catholic. I know now that it is Ash Wednesday, and I know that those are ashes on his foreheads. I hang my head in shame. I'll be back in just a moment. So whether you're a British journalist or a social media user, Maybe ask somebody else for a comment before you post or make the question, why do Catholics have gray splotches on their face on Ash Wednesday? Oh, and by the way, in case you're wondering what President Biden is giving up for Lent, you're in good company because apparently that is the only thing the White House press pool wanted to know when he got off the helicopter recently. What did you give up for Lent? What did you give up, Mr. President, for, Lent? What did you give up for Lent? Mr. President, how worried are, are you about All sweets? And I'm you know me, I start off with dessert. So no ice cream? No ice cream, nothing. So there you go, 39 more days of no sweets for President Biden. That's it for the daily break. Be sure to head over to newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup, and consider subscribing to our digital and print editions of Newsweek, if you haven't already. And since I'm asking you for something, I might as well ask that you subscribe to this podcast and please hit that five-star rating. It helps us grow and it lets us know that you like what we're doing. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to The Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.